welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by HF Plus, with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, South Stan Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o, Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode number 210. Thanks to everyone who's tuned in to last week's show. Uh, been a bit of a quiet week, uh, news-wise, at the club, but we've got the older match uh, to review and a few other bits and pieces of interest uh, to bring to you, but this week we're not alone. We've got a very, very special guest joining us. We've been uh, weeks in the making, I think it's fair <laughs> to say. Making his Orient Outlook podcast debut is the senior development and global coach. Welcome to the podcast, Steve Embleton. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. So, Steve, to get the show running this week, give yep. us a bit of info about yourself, a bit about your background and how you came to end up uh, at Leighton Orient. Okay, so um, I started working for Leighton Orient, uh, sort of middle 80s, early 80s, when Frank Clark was a manager. Um, I'd done some part-time coaching for the Trust, which was then the community programme. Um, so Grant and, Grant and Neil. That's it, yeah. Well, we went on many a trip we with did. Grant and Neil. To, yeah. I remember going to Brentford quite a few yeah, times we did. back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah top men. Um, so yeah, yeah, I started with those. I, I actually worked with Grant on his very first camp to, to, that we'd done together for Latin Orient, which was at the George White Ground. Um, from there, Bernie Dixon, who was head of youth at the time, were looking for some Centre of Excellence coaches. Uh, I was invited along to, to do a few sessions, and from then on, uh, they took me on, and I worked with all the age groups. I think the youngest age group we had at the club at that time was under-12s. They actually started playing for Latin Orient uh, when they reached under fourteen. They would go back and play um, for their grassroots clubs, which, in my opinion, was the right way to do it. I think with the way the academies are set up now, uh, I think it stifles young players, and I think that's um, the reason that we haven't got any real flair players in in the England side at the moment. I think they, you know, taking in academies at under eight now, um, and uh, as I say, uh, are not encouraged right the way through to to um, be exciting players. Having said that, we try and do that and have always tried to do that at the academy. Um, and the, the current people that are running the academy at the moment are doing a really good job. Um, anyway, getting back to... So I worked for the Centre of Excellence up until just before the Italian guys came in. Um, I had a disagreement with someone at the club, decided to move on. From there, I went and worked for Chelsea for a, a period of time, and then Tottenham Hotspur came along and asked me whether I'd like to get involved in their global program. Uh, they had a lot of good young coaches, but needed someone uh, with a bit of experience. Why is so, a head? Well, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Great head. Um, so yeah, so uh, for the next five years, I worked for Tottenham, done a lot of the stuff. Uh, was really fortunate that I could travel around the world delivering. Uh, global programs uh, also worked um, on their college program. When Martin um, came back uh, under the new owners, um, he got in contact with me and asked me whether initially just to get involved to help out at the academy as a, a part-time basis and that. And then we sat down and had the discussion uh, about you know improving a lot of programs that wasn't being addressed at the time from. Uh, with the club, so from there, um, I've gone on to to sort of start a few projects. The global being the main one, but I've 
to talk about that later now? Do you want me to talk yeah, about it? Yeah, yeah. So you think one of your titles is global yeah. coach. So what what is a global coach for, for Leighton Orient? Well, as I said, you know, from my experience with Spurs, when I came on board at the Orient, you know, I suggested to um, Martin and a few other people that I think, you know, we, we could have the opportunity, you know, as long as you've got a good pro- product that we could go abroad and, and, and make our camp successful. I think a few people within the club um, wasn't convinced that, because we're a little late in Orient, that people wouldn't buy into it. But I was lucky enough that I had two really good contacts with guys that I'd worked with in Denmark and in East Fishkill, which is upstate New York, um, and convinced them to give us a chance to, to, to take over their camps under the name of Leighton Orient. Uh, they was a bit sceptical at the moment, at that time, sorry. Um, the director of football was really supportive, um, but the rest of the board at East Fishkill said, well, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, the first year we done it, which was two years ago, we had just under 200 um, players on the camp. This year we had 250. Um, and everybody in the town of Fishku was bought into Leighton Orient. So now there's sort of over 250 young people running around with Leighton Orient shirts. There's a lot of people that support it, support us as a club. They follow, follow the games. Um, they've brought teams over. Uh, so last year we had um, a tournament on the pitch at the end of the season. So the East Fishkill bought an under-16s girl side over. They took part in that and they've really bought into it. Um, so we've got the camps that we operate in Denmark and we and two in um, America. Uh, that's about obviously you know getting the name of Leighton Orient out there. Uh, they get the opportunity to bring teams over so they can train with our academy. Um, we arrange uh, friendlies for them against our academy and other professional academies. Um, we give them the experience of going down a training ground, meeting the players, meeting the, the coaching staff. Uh, they go to the stadium, watch a game. Um, and they get what we call the Leighton Orient experience. And, um, you know, that's, we've found that the, the three clubs there have bought into it now and they're really successful. So the Danish guys have been over twice already this year, brought young players over and we've set up this, this programme for them. Uh, as I say, in April this year, we've got under-17s boys and girls coming over from East Fishkill. Um, and, and because of that, people have, 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 got in, uh, have heard about us out in America and we've had inquiries from people in New Jersey, in Chicago, um, in Albany um, and in Florida. So it's gradually building. You know, I'm talking to people at the moment. So next year, there's a good chance that we could have five or six camps out there. Um, we also delivered a program in India. Um, which was really successful. We had seventy-eight young people from fourteen up to twenty-four. I find that I find that insane that Orient are doing soccer yeah. camps in India. Like <clears throat> that just blows my mind. Yeah, and and it was really well reported in all the newspapers. It was on the the, the television. It was in Chandigarh, a place called Chandigarh, which is Pune, which is north of India. Um, and, and the thinking behind that is that we go out and deliver to, to young people out there that can't afford to go on, on soccer camp. So they're really humble, really great to, um, to oh, coach. Wow. You know, myself and Liam went out there, one of our other global coaches, and we had a fantastic time. 
there's some really good players there. It's a funny thing, you know, you talk about India and straight away people sit back and think, India, really? Mm. But football, the opportunity out there is massive. Um, uh, you know, I know cricket's still their number one sport, but when you drive through, I've been lucky enough to, to work in uh, Goa and in Gujarat, and you see football pitches everywhere. So it's going to be a massive market. Um, but what we'd like to do, um, through sponsorship, uh, both sides of the water, so the Indian guys are looking into it, but try and get someone that could never afford to come over to the UK, spend a couple of weeks training with the academy, you know, having the London experience and stuff like that, you know, and um, that's that's what we're looking at doing. Since we've done that, there's another couple of guys in India that have got in touch with me and shown an interest, they've seen what we're doing. So um, a guy in Mumbai, they look, we're looking into maybe delivering there. Um, and another guy also just outside Mumbai, uh, they've, they've got in touch with us as well. Um, we've also had a, had a great interest from a club that's got 120 teams in uh, New Zealand. So we've just written up the business plan for them and hopefully that will come off as well. So I think it surprised everybody within sort of 18 months of us starting um, the projects that it's, it's, um, it's just blossomed, you know, a lot quicker than I anticipated. Um, but I think for us, you know, obviously for the club, it's a, it's a money-making exercise as well. Um, you you know, charge for the camps. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah right. uh, but... As I say, with my experience with Tottenham Hotspur, obviously they're in a different league to us and, and they can afford to charge people a lot more. So a lot of the grassroots clubs that they worked with in America struggled to maintain to a camp every year because there were certain things that they had to pay for. We don't do that. We try and make it as as, as profitable for us, obviously, but also... Um, something that, that the, the club can manage so that the kids can afford to come onto the camp. Uh, it's not going to cost the, the, the club anything, which it was under Tottenham. Um, so, you know, they realise they're getting, they're, they're getting a much fairer um, camp, um, but the quality of the coaching is, is exceptional. You know, we've got sort of four coaches that at the moment are our global coaches. We're looking to build up those those opportunities for people through the club and through a lot of other um, stuff that we're doing in the colleges and all that to, to you know get obtain their uh, qualifications start off maybe delivering in our college programs uh, and then move into maybe the academy and then hopefully t to the overseas stuff so it's, it's a good thing for everybody um, but uh, you know the way I see it going forward is that um, a lot of teams are looking for the London experience or the football experience and what we're offering would be a much reduced price to a lot of premier clubs where teams can come over, we'll look after them, we'll arrange games for them, we'll arrange training sessions. Again, they can go down and meet the players at the training, at the training ground and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, a lot of teams are buying into that. So, it's, you know, it's, um, it's, a good, it's a good pathway for our coaches to like, go from one level up and end up working internationally. Um, and it's also getting the name out there, Latin Orient. As I said, you know, there's a lot of kids running around in America now with um, Latin Orient shirts on, and uh, it's also, you know, financially going. So it's a bit of a three-pronged approach here. A, obviously, money making because yep. obviously it needs to pay for itself. Spreading the Orient name yep. uh, out there, and obviously from a career perspective for young coaches here and also abroad who yep. you're engaging with can obviously learn 
from our coaches and, and I guess vice versa. That's it. As a fourth, dare I say, might do you think this might uncover the next or inside aim you know, in the future? Is, it is it could any, do. You know, as I say, we've got good links in with Denmark. As, as far as sort of uh, visas go for the young American guys, it's it's a little bit hard. Uh, but all they want to do is have the opportunity to come here and see how far, how good they are in relation to the guys that are, are, are out. Yeah, benchmarking. Yeah. But you know, you, you just mentioned about the coaches. We all also deliver coaching clinics for the coaches out in America or Denmark or India. So you know, it's about coach education. We give them the opportunity to come over and work with our coaches here. So you know, it's a win-win for everybody. Um, you know, talking about players coming through, obviously we hope that that will happen, but that sort of links in really well to the, the um, college programmes that we deliver as well. So uh, the Trust has been delivering a uh, college programme, working with Wolf and Forest College uh, for, I think it's about five, six years now, it might be longer than that, um, very well attended. Um, and again, talking to Martin, it was about how can we grow that? So we've, we're working in Mayfield Sixth Form College now, which is based in Dagenham. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've also got sort of two, two possible college programmes for next year. So we're looking at having about three, three or four college programmes. Um, again, uh, it gives our coaches opportunity to come and work full-time for Leighton Orient. So that, that's the main thing about it. You know, it also does... Um, generate income for the club, not a great amount of money. Um, but what we want to do is offer these guys and, and girls that are at our colleges the opportunity to, number one, if they're good enough, they'll come and train with the youth team, which guys from Orphan Forest have already done. We've arranged the game, games against them last year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want to get, a, again, a, a, a solid base of coaches that will go out and, and coach the Orient way, which is, again, about creating exciting players, you know. Um, and, and they will have opportunities for us, to, because um, I've been working in football for quite, quite a few years now. I've uh, got a lot of connections with a lot of semi-pro sides at different levels, so we can help them achieve whatever level it be, whether it be a grassroots club, because it's not just about working with elite players, a grassroots club right up to playing professional football, we will help them. We also want to give them the opportunity to look at the organisation. So if we look at um, the stadium, if there's people that want to get into physiotherapy, any any part of the football side of it, that's great. You know, if we can get them part time work on the turnstiles or in a bar, you know, we we we, we link in with a lot of local organisations like the Greenwich Leisure, so that they come in and talk about their apprenticeship schemes and stuff like that. So, you know, you said at the start we was having, when we had that discussion about it being a community club, it always has been since I've been in, uh, been involved. But you know, through that mad four years, things have got left. Um, and it's about pulling it all together again and, and getting ourselves out there and giving people, young people especially, opportunities in Walford Forest and just outside. So, you know, um, the college programme links in really well in regards as we've got one young guy now, Gab, who came through a college programme uh, as a student. He decided he wanted to go into coaching at an early age. So 
you know, we got him doing some voluntary work. Then, then he got some pay part time stuff. Now, now he's working doing school delivering stuff in schools in in the daytime for the trust, and then he's working at the academy. So, uh, uh, you know, he's just um, acquired his uh, UEFA B. So that's what it's about. That's a success story, and that's what we want to help young people to achieve in the borough in any way we can. So, the, the, you know, that links in with our college programs. Um, the other thing is development centres. Um, years ago, we used to run quite a few of those. Uh, and what we've done is um, we've got one in Rodin Valley that's up and running at the moment. We've got one just outside Brentwood. All the information will be on the on Twitter quite soon because we're going to launch one in the Peter May Centre in two Fridays' time. So we're looking... There are various age groups. In the Brentwood one and the Rodin Valley one... Um, I think they coach from seven up to 12 year olds. So people are invited to come from grassroots club and receive hopefully better coaching. Or, you know, there's some great grassroots coaches out there, I mean, you have to be disrespectful, but a different type of coaching. Uh, and it also will give them the opportunity that if, if they do well, well at the development centres, then, then they can go on and, and um, maybe have a chance to go into the academy. We're, uh, Peter May will be doing coaching eight to fifteen year olds. Same thing, you know. Anybody showing a bit of quality um, might end up having a few sessions at the academy. But at the, for, for the fifteen and sixteen year olds, um, you know, it, it's also a great opportunity for us to signpost young people into our college schemes and hopefully onto employment further down the line and that. So um, that's all linking in quite well. So it's quite a broad net you're casting in terms of who you're trying to capture and, and I guess offering the local guys and, the, and girls, obviously, I'm sure it's open to women as well, yep. in the community, different paths into yep. sport or professional football yep. in some way, shape or form. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, you touched on the girls stuff there. We've, um, we're have we obviously trying to create a pathway for the women's team now. So we've got the women's women's team, which has been ran really really well over the last few years. We're linking with those now. So we've got the women's team, the development team, and we've got an under-18 side um, that we created this year. We will probably introduce age groups um, gradually each year. Um, but again, it's not about us coming in and, and saying, look, we, you know, this is what we're going to do. We want all the best players in the borough. We want to work as we do with the boys' grassroots teams. I feel that years ago we had a really good partnership um, and relationship with grassroots football I don't see that we're, we're, we do that any longer um, so I think with these development centres it's not about us saying we want your best players we're taking them off you we just want to give people opportunities um, and as I say with the, with the girls sides um, we want to work with the grassroots side so a lot of young girls that drop out at under 16 or whatever we want to encourage them to if they're at that level to go and play a good standard of football without having to travel to Brentford or you know Chelsea or West Ham or whatever and obviously they're top them they're professional sides now the women's side so you know they have to be an extremely good player so we want to create something for so that you know there's a continuation a, a a clear pathway for young girls. Um, so we will be taking on uh, creating a development centre just for girls quite soon. So that that's that be up and running. I would have thought in, and hopefully for the start of next year. And so, if anybody's listening to this and wants to get involved with that, how would they how would they be in touch with you guys, or how do you get in touch with 
with the girls that perhaps are in that in that boat where perhaps they're at 16s and maybe about to sort of drop out because there isn't any progression how would they uh, uh, get in touch with well they, they they can get in touch with me um initially and then i i, I can i can sign post them into the guy who's running at the right. moment um there will be details going on as i say onto the website and yeah. you know um just trying to think how they would do that um before that would um my details I could or Martin's are on the website as well they yeah, yeah I think really maybe good. yeah that's probably the best way to do it. if there's any inquiries to go through Martin at first and he'll sign post them to me and then we can I can put them in touch with the you know the necessary people and that that would probably be the best way yeah so you were cool. saying last time you was in I think it was in the States last year you said that two Orient fans came and approached you because they knew Martin Ling yeah uh, was in the area yeah it, it's mad I said that um, you know we worked out in Tallahassee and uh Ross done a session out there a few years back and uh, I wasn't out there at the time and he sent me a, a picture and the first thing he saw, there was about 150 young players there, the first thing he saw was a young lad with a Latin Orient hat on in Tallahassee, so that, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, we go to the Memorial Day tournament in uh, Fishkill uh, in the last couple of years, myself and Martin went out there last year just to show support to the club out there and, and have a walk around it's a really good tournament um, and we had obviously we've got big flags with Leighton Orient on there um, on the flags and uh, about t two hours two hours into the tournament we saw a couple of people walking over with Leighton Orient shirts on and said to Martin what is that all about and it uh, turned out that there was two young people that had moved over there a month before originally from late and that mad Latin Orient supporters and seen it on Twitter that the Latin Orient were over there and Martin Lind was there so they drove down and just came over to meet him and that awesome. so it's amazing it's amazing awesome. I'd like to if they if those two fans remember yeah. this and they listen please get in touch yeah I'd love to know who they are yeah be amazing. just the reach you just don't understand no no and it's amazing like I say you know it's um hopefully if they're still around that area myself and Martin and I think Rossi's coming over this year um you know, hopefully they'll they'll come down and say hello again. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. they will. I'm sure they will. So lots of activity planned, and obviously more summer camps coming up. Yep. Abroad. Yep. This summer, that I guess will be heavily advertised on the website and, and through social yep. media. Yeah, all the flyers have gone out. As I say, Denmark. We've got three weeks going in in August. We're also going out to to a couple of tournaments in Denmark. I think. You know that's a really good market as well. The, the facilities that the, the, that the club have got out there and a par partnership we've built, built up with the people there is, is amazing. And they're in a really good strategic place. So it's sort of north of Denmark, on, near enough on the borders of uh, Germany. So we're talking about maybe organising an international tournament there next year. Um, a lot of football clubs in that area. Uh, I'm talking about grassroots football now, but we, we've also... Uh, looking to link up with a pro club out there. I went down there to look at their academy last time I was out there. Um, a little story of myself and Liam again was uh, out there last year at Palais, who's the head guy in Denmark, said to me, oh, Steve, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, oh, nothing too much, mate. So he said, oh, do me a favour, come down. And I've got a visit. This, this team's just won a major tournament and um, we'd like you to come down and like present them 
put medals and that, so I thought, well, they won't know who I am, or Latin Orient. Anyway, he didn't tell me the best bit. We pulled up outside this building. It's a maximum security prison. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, for the job. <laughs> so I've looked at Liam, and he's looked at me, he said, like, well, no, let's have it. So we walked up, and as we got into the, to, into the sort of reception area, I said, oh, I haven't got any identification. There's no way they're going to let us go into the prison. I said to Palais, sorry mate, I don't think they're, no, 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 they're all right. We told them you're coming. So we get going and going to the prison. And um, he said, oh, the first person we want you to meet is a guy who's in solitary confinement. Nice. So I said, oh, okay. Uh, with a few other words, we'll probably add it to that. Um, and, and anyway, we took there and, and there was an increased presence of guards around me, so, so I didn't feel too happy with that. I thought, what's going on here? And the, and the door opened and there's this young Turkish guy um, standing there, you know, solid, solid, you know, evidently he'd played at a real high level before he, I don't know what he'd done, I didn't ask really. Um, and it was quite intimidating, but after sort of 10, 15 minutes talking to him, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, and he sort of embraced us, and uh, you know he was a bit sort of uh, yeah, yeah. a bit sceptical about us at, at the start, and but we sort of had a really good chat. Um, anyway, left him, and they said, "Right, jump on a couple of bikes, and we will cycle through the prison." So we cycled over to this workhouse, walked in there. There must have been seventy prisoners, all in this workhouse, with a few guards around, and they were massive fellas. I mean, I had the tallest. Um, but these guys were unbelievable and it all went dead quiet uh, and out in Denmark from the age of nine everybody sort of learned a language they could all speak English so I'm standing I'm saying to Liam what's going on here I said they don't you know, they, you know who am I I'm, I'm no one uh, you know they're looking at us all sort of quite suspicious and that anyway these guys came up and what had happened is that one of the guards um, used soccer to football, sorry, to, to, to encourage people to keep fit and stuff like that. And they pr played games in the prison, obviously, against each other, but it was getting boring. Well, he had a lot of connections with grassroots teams outside, and he spoke to the authorities, anyway, cut long story short, they got into a league. No. So, yeah, so all the, all the teams at home would come, yeah, yeah every home away. Every home home. Away. No away games. <laughs> no away games. Um, <laughs> So all the teams came in and played them there, and they won the league. Well, these these fellas, as I say, they was unbelievable. All Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, tattoos over their faces. And all. Anyway, so they had these medals that I thought, nah, you're not going to give them like these fellas. So I gave them an Orient scarf, and they had these medals. When they put like around their neck and that, and they give them the cup. They went absolutely bonkers. And the great thing to see was all their mates in there as well. So, like, there was 10, 15 of them who, who got medals. Wow. The rest of them, they put We Are The Champions on and were jumping up and down, screaming and shouting, and it was unbelievable. That was their trophy lifting. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, it just shows programmes like that really work. Um, anyway, we went to walk out. I said, no, no, you've got to come in and have something to eat. I said, I don't suppose there's a beer in here, is it? <laughs> and uh, we had something to eat, and uh, I spoke to some of the um, prison staff, and I said, look, next time I'm out there, I'd love to come and deliver some sessions. So I've kept in contact. So next time we go out there, 
hopefully we'll go and deliver a session. They've got a football pitch right in the middle of the prison and all that. Yeah. So go out there and... never be on the outer Never be on the outer side. Uh, no. Oh, we've kicked the ball over. Can yeah, we go? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> my turn. Yeah, yeah. I'll go. I'll so come that, back. That, that was an amazing experience. That was an amazing experience. And I say, I've kept, kept in top contact and uh, through Palais, sort of the next time I go out there, we go and deliver a few free sessions. So, yeah, it's about stuff like that. Wow. I was going to ask you what your oddest experience is. Obviously, having travelled all over the world yeah. doing coaching sessions, that sounds like it's probably up there. That, that was one of them. I think my favourite um, experience was probably working in Brazil. I worked there just before the World Cup when I was pacifying the favelas. <clears throat> so we worked with local teachers, school teachers out there in the police so that they could use soccer as a sort of tool to get on with the young people mm. and that. And we had, and we, we had to go in the f- <clears throat> into the favelas with guards, obviously, I walked through. That was amazing, just to be there um, and to deliver to these youngsters. You know, right at the top of the favela was a floodlit astroturf um, wow. football pitch that was... Not in the best of states, yeah. but you know, we 60, 80 kids up there of all different ages and stuff like that playing. So that was probably one of the best projects that I work on. That was, wow. that was, that was fantastic. That was really good, but I've got a lot of stories I could tell you about India and stuff like that, but we could go on here all night if I don't. Well, <laughs> we had a free hour with Ross and Botton, as yeah, you probably yeah, are aware. We are time bound. Um, and obviously mentioning Ross, I don't want this to make a Ross Emerson's dad podcast, but we're obviously going to have to ask you a few questions yeah. uh, about Ross. I guess to start off with... Can I just say so? Because you said, uh, I am now Ross's dad. <laughs> when I get introduced to people, this is Ross's dad. I'm yeah. no longer Steve Emberwin, I'm Ross's dad. So, <laughs> yeah. so how does it feel having your son in as a permanent very coach proud. of Leighton Orient? Very, very proud. You know, I think it goes on record that Ross has already said about the, you know not just my family, um, but also um, my my in-laws and that, who's, my father-in-law sadly has passed on, but you know, they was all mad, like Lawrence and Paul, and, and big big parts of the family still are, and go over there all the time. So, you know, I, I remember being a young kid going over there, watching them in the 70s and stuff like that, and Probably shouldn't say this. Climbing over the wall most of the time. Oh, Danny uh, Maxson will have you for that. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Dan. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know. Um, so uh, extremely proud. You know, I was proud of of all my boys, obviously. Um, but you know, for him to choose to go into sort of coaching at such a young age, and I, as I said to you before, um, Steve, you know, there's he gives himself a bit of bad press when he talks about himself being a footballer and he you know he was, he was a very good player lacked a little bit of pace probably to play at the highest level but I think if he hadn't chosen you know to go into to coaching at such a young age I think he, he would have played at a, a decent level without doubt so he's not as bad as what he says he was <laughs> and obviously his obsession with Leighton Orient is obviously on the back of you working at Leighton Orient during the yeah. 80s because he talks about how he was a ball boy against yep. Dagenham and Redbridge and that kind of explains how he gets into Leighton Orient through the family yep. and you work in there yeah 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 so you know he's um, obviously uh, <clears throat> he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's his own man now you know I, I, obviously we sit and chat about football quite a lot and but you know I'm there to give him Advice, personal advice, and stuff like that. But um, you know, as far as the football goes, that's that's all down to Ross. 
And in terms of when Ross told, like Ross, obviously we had the situation with Carl Fletcher and then Ross has come to you and, or actually, has he come to you and said, I'm thinking about going at this permanently, I'm going to be discussing it with Kent and Nigel and the board and Martin, or did that come, did, did that not happen? It wasn't, it wasn't really like that. I mean, I think, you know, Kent, Nigel uh, and Martin were all very supportive of him and I think they all sort of wanted him to take the post earlier anyway. Mm. Uh, I think for Ross, it was about him, you know, he's always said to me that he wanted to be the best number two that he could be. That's how he saw his role. I think, um, this, you know, the, the, the bad time sort of with Carl coming in and stuff like that, you know, uh, I think it sort of, in a funny way, gave him more confidence in, you know, I think he, the different roles that he wasn't too keen about taking on, um, he thought, you know, felt much more confident about that. I think, I still think that a lot of the stuff that he has to deal with is not what he would choose to do, but I think he's got the confidence in himself uh, in, in a lot of different things that he probably didn't have before, um, and that's why he took the job permanently you know he didn't want to muck anybody about it you know all the times people saying well why didn't he want the job I think he was just he purely wanted what the best the best thing for Leighton Orient you know and that's why it probably took a little bit of time and you sort of seen things evolve around him and thought you know yeah I'm pretty sure I can do this so yeah he sort of told me shortly before he was going to do it he didn't didn't ask me he sort of mm. just told me mm. so uh, yeah that's why it is I get told a lot by my family, especially the missus. Yeah, absolutely, as we all are. Does he ever come to you and go, Dad, I'm not sure about playing so-and-so on Saturday or I think I might be going 4-4-2 against this team. What do you think? Is he... That conversation would never have taken place because Ross goes 4-3-3. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> just <amazing. laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't. You know, we, as I say, well, I sort of was around his house a few Fridays ago and um, we sat up quite late and had a couple of glasses of wine and spoke about in every player individually but you know I was just giving him my opinion and he was giving me his opinion it was a discussion I would never turn around and say to him, I think you should do this or that that's not my job you know um, I think he made a couple of big calls when he first came to you know when he first took over at the club talking you know with Josh and and, and um, Dean. Dean and stuff like that so you know I think he's, he's confident in himself to do that now so I, I would never never sort of even attempt to you know, I might talk about what, what I feel about you know different players, but I would never, never sort of give him my ideas mm. or my ideas because yeah. you know he makes his own decision. Ben Boatman, uh, Boatsy on Twitter, <coughs> tweeted us a question. I said, "Who's the better coach?" <laughs> you probably know what's coming here. You or Ross? And I think that question's been asked to Ross in terms of who's the better coach, you or your dad, and he's really? always said I you. So, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure we've had that question before. Ross, right. Ross. Oh, well, sure, Ross has always said ben, ben. I've known for a long time. Yeah, I think he. Is. Yeah, I've known him for a long time. He must have coached him in the uh, yeah. Yeah, in the yeah. sessions that the club have put on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <coughs> uh, it's, listen, it's it's entirely different what I do to what to to what Ross does. Um, he's got to be the better coach because he's got yeah, the job he's got. Already, so yeah. we'll go with that. <laughs> There you go. Now that Leighton Orient are a football league club, does that make it easier to do the soccer camps? So obviously, when you're a national league club, yeah, yeah, with, with, without doubt. I mean, we we obviously got these camps up and running when we were in the national yeah. league, but you know, it, it affects. Obviously, it would have affected the academy and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, you take stuff like that away from the club, then a lot of 
things that we organise for uh, camps overseas for them to come here and you know play against our academy or be coached by the academy coaches mm. and stuff like that wouldn't wouldn't be available. So yeah, it makes a, a massive difference. A massive difference. Um, yeah, it's just uh, as I say, it's just weird seeing it. You know, the guys in India still get regular sort of messages from guys out there like when can we come over what's going on because the guy that I actually work with out there he uh, came back and had he's been in hospital with a really bad illness and that so things have slowed down on the India side of it so the guys out there are really eager to get get over so um, yeah it does make a big difference we'll let you pause for breath in a second because I'm pr pretty sure aware that we've just been bombarding you with questions for the last 35 minutes. But obviously a lot of work with Nigel Travis, like you've been out there and you stayed around yep. Nigel's, obviously you know Kent really well. Yep. What was it like to work with two such, I guess, as fans and the hosts of the podcast, we find them really kind of open yep. and honest and engaging and then yep. you're kind of drawn towards them and we're really grateful for what they've done. What's it like working the, with them, I guess? Uh, you know, I can, I, as, you, as you said, I stayed with uh, at Nigel's last year, uh, myself and Lewis... Spencer, out, who's head of the academy, went out there and we've done some some coaching out there. And, um, you know, it's brilliant, brilliant sort of five, six days with Nigel. He's, he's, he's a top man. Um, I think the thing that I, I, I enjoy the most at working with Ken, Nigel and Martin, because I don't think Martin gets enough credit of, you know, everything I'm talking about here today, he fully um, supports um and knows about what's going on and wants to know about what's going on. And it's the same with Ken and the same with Nigel. So they're very, very supportive of what we do. I mean, when we've done the camp um, in East Fishkill this year, Nigel said to me, I'll come down and show my face for an hour. He drove down from Boston, which is a three-hour drive, had his pictures taken, walked around the camp, met the president of the, the, the uh, football club and the director of football, walked around, sort of said hello to a lot of people, was there for about an hour and then drove back f for three hours. So it just shows wow. sort of their attitude, yeah, absolutely. you know, how positive he is. Every time I see Ken, he's asking me, you know, how things are going on, on all the projects. They're all aware of what we're doing. And as I say with Martin, it's just total support. You know, they've, they've sort of given me a blank canvas and said, look, you know, this is the sort of thing we're looking at doing. What do you think? And once I start to get my teeth into something, then he just supports me. Uh, all the way through so yeah it's uh, it's 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 very diverse you know my job I'll do a lot of different stuff different roles and all that but it's really enjoyable because you know it's one minute I you know still do a little bit of coaching at the academy uh, work with the youth team bits and pieces last year not a lot so I'll keep my hand in that you know um, I do deliver a, a, like say the college programs getting involved with the girls stuff so I, I, you know I'm still quite active myself um, but yeah the support I get from from them and Danny and sort of everybody at the club is amazing. So, yeah, it's a good, good place to be. We're really going in the right direction. And that was the sort of main point of me, you know, thanks for in, inviting me on, but it was about, not, it's not about me, this is about what the club does with the community. Um, we've just, we're just going to, in the middle of, or oh, we start in two Fridays time, we're going to deliver a, a show racism and red card. Uh, we're, we're the only club, there's seven clubs across the country that are delivering programmes uh, and we're working, again, because we're in Dagnum, we're working at the school, uh, we've, we've got the only all-girls programme, so they're trying to encourage South Asian young girls to participate um, 
in, in activity. So they'll get sort of six workshops without telling them about um, you know, healthy lifestyles and mental health and, and uh, various, various uh, workshops. Uh, they'll attend sort of um, practical sessions that we've got sort of young girls, coaches putting those on. Um, and hopefully that's an eight week period, uh, eight week uh, project. Um, but we're looking for sort of other funding to, to make it more sustainable, sustainable. So that maybe we can run a project for a year. And again, that signpost, you know, young players if they want to carry on playing to the uh, development team or the under 18s or whatever. Um, and again, giving them the opportunity to go down to the stadium and all that. Um, so yeah, that, that that's very exciting, um, and and we're looking to work more and more with with the trust. Um, you know, I know they do some really good work in the community, but I feel that we as a club should be supporting them and delivering projects ourselves. Uh, Joe Widdeston, I've already spoke to him. He's going to be the ambassador for the red card stuff, and hopefully we can get some more government funding to. To deliver stuff in uh, areas of eye deprivation within the borough, so we can get kids out of the houses and you know into a safe area that we done years and years ago, you know. So we want to sort of start delivering stuff like that as well. So great time, Amazing. great time to be working at the club. Looks yeah. like you've got your fingers in uh, lots and lots yeah, of pies. You're gonna yeah. be a busy man over the next couple of years. Sorry, gonna be a busy man over the next. Couple yeah, of years yeah, yeah. I mean, as as I say, it's. Um, well, I've got, you know, we've got great staff, as I say, Lewis, uh, the academy manager's very supportive, you know, Ross um, gets involved, I've spoken to a lot of the players about, you know, them getting involved, as I said, with Joe, he's already said that he'll be the ambassador, and um, yeah, I, I just, as I said, you know, I'm passionate about, you know, I've lived in Wolfram Forest all my life, and, um, you know, I know it's a hotbed for football. You know, we produced a lot of good players, not not only at Leighton Orient, but throughout Wolfram Forest, you know, mm. uh, and I'm proud of that. Um, but it's also about, you know, giving young people that are less fortunate the chance to participate in something that they, they might not be able to do or don't know, you know, where they can go to, to, to get a job or get advice about a job or, you know, for us, when we go and work in the colleges, they look at us completely differently to their teachers, you know, they see us, see us, so we, you know, we, we can create a good relationship with them that's, that probably a teacher wouldn't be able to do. Um, and it's about creating nice, good young people, you know, and improve, helping them improve on their social skills so that when they go into the big wide world, if it's not anything to do with late and but when they go and, and start, you know, their work that, that, that they can, approach people and look them in the eye and shake their hands and stuff like that. So that that's to me is as important as as producing a good footballer. Brilliant. Brilliant. Really good. Yeah, amazing. Just stuff that goes on that you just don't realise mm. that, that that's going on at the club. So kudos to you for for, for leading that charge. Yeah. And to Martin and, and the rest of the team. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's not gonna happen. And I guess it's spreading the name of Leighton Orient as a kind of secondary thing so Leighton Orient then becomes synonymous with commu- with the community and hand in hand with giving people in deprived mm. areas options that they might not necessarily realise are open to them and, and maybe a career path that they hadn't even considered without that without that you know as I say you know I want to create more and more 
relationships with other organisations. So like I say, mm-hmm. we have GRL come in and tell them about friendships and to give people a real chance. You know, we've, I'm lucky because uh, the, the, the coaches that work with me, um, obviously they're interested in the elite side of, of, of what we do. And I think most young coaches would strive to to reach that level, you know, working at the academy or whatever they can do. So, so, so that is a goal. But the, a lot of them really care about the young people in 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 the community and really want to do something about it. I know it sounds corny, but it's true. Uh, and unless you do care, people don't get. You know, people, other organisations deliver sessions and all that, and you see the coaches sort of looking at their phone and go and get on and play five aside. Well, that's not caring. That's not giving young people a good environment and, and a good football experience where they feel that, you know, well, this guy's shown us a bit of respect. We'll give him a bit of respect back, mm. you know. And uh, again, like I say, it's about helping these people develop as people. Yeah. And internationally, awesome. it also leads to, with the days of kind of technology, if you get that international message out there, you've got streaming now, you can get Orient shirts yeah. anywhere in the world. So it's a huge opportunity yeah, as a complete picture, not just not just Absolutely. locally as well. Yeah, the streaming at five or a piece is two hundred and fifty people paying a five or a piece is twelve hundred and fifty quid that the club didn't have. Exactly. Before, as an example, as a byproduct of yeah, yeah. of that camp, as an example, if they were minded to do that. Fine, cool. I think we should crack on. I think it's Steve's, probably time for a sponsorship update. Steve's let's had Steve have a drink. Yeah. No drink of water yet. So <laughs> let's, let's let him do that. Thank you, Steve. You're, no, thank you. You're here for the rest of the show. So. Uh, we've got some more questions coming up later, no doubt. Yeah, so to start off with a sponsorship update in, so AHF Plastering, they're an Essex-based plastering and rendering company. They cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work, specialising in silicone colour, render systems, and the best part is they offer 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans and staff. So if you want more info, and for the best plastering and rendering prices around, you can email ajfplastering at outlook.com or you can visit AJF Plastering on Facebook, or you can look on Twitter at Big Ads with a Z L O F C. He'd murder us if we didn't ask. Do you need any plastering work done at your house? <laughs> Not at a moment. Fine. Not at a moment. Don't tell, don't tell the missus though, because she'll find something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Supporters Club. Then we'll move on to those guys. They've got a coach going to Forest Green Rovers on Saturday, the 29th of February. Not just one coach, actually. They've got two coaches. They're both leaving the Supporters Club at half past eight. For a three o'clock kickoff, flat fare for all categories is twenty-five quid as a leap year treat. And then on Saturday, the fourteenth of March, we're going up to Bradford. The coach is going to be leaving the supporters' club at half past eight again for a three o'clock kickoff. Fares for this one are thirty-six pounds and thirty-three for concessions. Trips are going to cost you another three quid if you're not a member. Under sixteens can travel for half price, but they've got to be with an adult. Um, adult paying. Uh, uh, Ticket uh, payer, whatever, I've lost my train of thought there. Um, and remember, those prices do not include your match day tickets. You have to buy them separately. So to book for any of these trips, you can visit the Supporters Club on a match day or you can call the travel line on 07722135970. Do you go to many away games as an employee of the club or do you go to many to watch your son's football team? I... I... And restricted that. I went to Walsall when I went to Stevenage. Um, I, I really enjoy the away games, um, and I, I usually try and um, stand with our supporters or sit with okay. our supporters. The problem for me with a lot of the away games is that I coach most Saturday mornings, right? Okay, so yeah, yeah. I just can't physically do it. It yeah. so, just so happened that 
we haven't had coaching for a, a little while, so I, I had the opportunity to go to Stevenage and, as I say, to Walsall. So, yeah, I'd love to go a lot more. I really would. Um, and I, you know, I'm sort of I get the opportunity to sit upstairs um, with, you know, every home game and that, but I'd, I'd much soon sort of be out there and I'll sit behind the dugout and. Yeah, always good fun on the way Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Closer to the action. Yeah, yeah, especially when the O's win as yeah. well. So trust update this week. So thank you to Howard and Louise for sending over their updates. So we'll start off by saying the sold-out latest Bray Group Stadium tour on Tuesday included a fantastic surprise guest, our Chilean international goalkeeper Lawrence Vigaru. Loz popped in straight from training to meet up in the home changing room and chatted with the group about his reasons for joining the O's, superstitions and the best player he's played with, including Alexis Sanchez, obviously being wow, the international Chile. connection, yeah, Chile, but yeah. stated that he, the best player he's ever played with was Gareth Bale when they were both at Tottenham together. So, again, he's in good company there, as old lot. Can I just say so with Lawrence? Uh, you know, we're talking about, I think these people, there's people out there that are probably not interested in what I'm talking about, but <laughs> for, those, uh, for those who are, you know, with these college programmes, people think, oh, does anybody ever point, come yeah. through? He actually came through a college programme. So he was at a college programme at Tottenham uh, under their foundation. Uh, done really well, and obviously he went and had trials there, then went on to Liverpool and stuff like that. So it does happen. You know, I've got oh, yeah. this young guy that I coached um, at uh, the, the previous club, I won't keep saying his name, um, and um, he, I, because of my connections out in America, we got him a scholarship in one of the colleges out there, and he done really well. He moved from there, which was in Dallas. He done had a really good season, and then moved up to a, a, a college in Oregon, uh, and he was playing for the under twenty three Portland Timbers. So he's done really well out there. So mm. he's coming. He's finished his four years now. He's coming back here to see if he can sort of. Uh, Sort of get something going yeah, as, so as a player. As a player, yeah, yeah, really good player. But like I say, you know, these opportunities. That's one thing I forgot to to mention was like with the college programs. I've got we've had uh, sort of four young guys that have been at college for me, and I've got them scholarships out in in the states uh, at no cost. You know, there's a lot of guys that come over here and say, you know, look look at our portal for ninety quid, and then when you come out, it'll cost you this and that. But these guys have gone out and got full scholarships and, and had three or four years out in, in the state. So that's another thing that's going to be available to people in colleges. Mm. Yeah. yeah, incredible. So if they make the grade, then there's op- options and opportunities Loads, for them that yeah. they wouldn't normally have access no. to. Yeah, no. Brilliant to hear. Brilliant um, to hear. The second part of the trust update goes on to say, um, on Wednesday, Loz was back in the community and joined teammate James Brophy and O's boss Ross Embleton when they visited the Waltham Forest Disability Resource Centre in Leytonstone to participate in some boxercise and table tennis in between chatting to the staff and service users at this self-funded scheme for those with disabilities in and around the local area. And the podcast would also like to wish Louise Stevens the very best of luck for the future as she leaves her role in the Leighton Orient Trust in this coming week. Good luck, Louise, and thanks for all your help. Yeah, I second that. So AOB this week, a bit of AOB to go through. So welcome to new listener, Georgia, who is experiencing her first ever season of football. And thanks to Lucy for passing on the podcast to her. So we met Georgia yesterday in the South Stand. She came and said hello, listened to the podcast, said we were her favourite of the Orient podcast and radio show. So thank you for that, Georgia. 
and we hope you're enjoying this uh, the first 51 minutes of this episode. Absolutely. And thank, another thank you goes to Kate Dio, who left us a five-star review. Good to meet you in the South Stand yeah. yesterday, and thank you for fulfilling your promise. <laughs> um, and your lovely comment on iTunes, great to meet you. Thank you very much indeed. And any other reviews, five-star would be great, um, but whatever you feel would be much appreciated. Yeah, and we have to mention this one. Beginning today, Sunday 23rd February, as we record, Father and son Bob and Josh Kaplan together with Bob's son-in-law Stephen Goldman are embarking on the 92 in 92 football challenge which is basically to visit all 92 football grounds from the Premier League to League 2 in just 92 hours they're doing this in order they want to raise £9,200 to support higher cancer care and North London hospice to mark 10 years since Ross Kaplan lost her battle with cancer and she was mum to Deborah, Naomi, Rachel, Josh and Abby and wife to Bob. So both Bob and Josh are lifelong O's fans. Bob has been going to the O's since the early 50s, and Josh has been an Orient fan for as long as he can remember. And Stephen's actually a Sunderland fan, who are doing better, actually. So fair mm. play to Stephen. Obviously, we love the O's. So if you want to donate to try and help the uh, these guys reach their fundraising target of 9,200, you can do that by going on the website, www.4hire, which is F-O-R-C-H-A-I, dot org forward slash Kaplins do the 92 so if you want to donate to that amazing cause please do so um, and hopefully those guys can raise mm, the amazing. amount of money thereafter absolutely good luck to you all um, at, L- at Sunshine LOFC has been in touch he's got two seats that have come up on his Leap Day Express to Forest Green this coming Saturday £25 a person departs Leytonstone O'Neill's at half past eight. If you are looking uh, for a, an option, a travel option, an alternative option, uh, recommend these. You can email gfaburton at hotmail.com to book on. And also, while we're talking about the Sunshine LOFC uh, Twitter account, Joe, uh, congratulations yeah. to you and Charlotte on your recent wedding in Las Vegas, joined by a number of Leighton Orient fans there as well. And we at Orient Outlook Podcast Towers wish you both a lifetime of happiness. Up the O's. Yeah, much muzzle to Joe and Charlotte there. So <laughs> he, he set up the O's as the person that married them. They did it at the Vegas Oh, really? Oh, and Elvis married them and he went up the O's as he said, man or whatever. That's incredible. That's incredible. So the week that was in will cover this week, Coulson Monday, 17th of February, a quiet day at the club with no news to report. This was followed by Tahuwe Tuesday, 18th of February, another quiet day at the club with absolutely nothing to mention. Made up for it on Wednesday the 19th, though, as the club announced that former Orient player Justin Fashioner, who played five times for the O's in 1990 and who was England's first and only, as it stands right now, openly gay professional footballer, was posthumously inducted into the National Football Museum's Hall of Fame on what would have been his 59th birthday. Yeah, amazing work. Amazing. Yeah. In the evening, I was off to the supporters club who held a meeting and manager evening with Ross Embleton, which we were lucky enough to be able to record as Ross was asked questions from the floor for almost two hours on pretty much everything to do with the O's. So if you're listening to this episode, you've probably already listened to Ross, but you can listen to Ross on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and all our normal podcast providers. I thought it was a good night. I thought Ross came across yeah. really well. Some good questions. Ross is always open, honest. Give us a great answer, decent turnout. I thought he'd done well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought, um, you know, some people say that he probably um, is too honest sometimes, but that's the type of person he is, you know. That's that's what you get if you no, ask questions. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's how it is, you know. As it is. And like he says, if you don't like it, 
at least you know where he is on something. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's, that's your it, you know? and, yeah. and you know, good or bad, he'll he'll talk to people, you know, regarding whether they like him, whether they think <laughs> yeah, he, what he's doing is right or wrong. You know, he will have a discussion with people about it. Absolutely. So, yeah, so you know, that's off to him. Got to say, Ed Morgan, thank you for your shout out to the podcast, and uh, don't worry about the third <laughs> question that you asked when you obey uh, it basically didn't get your words out on time. So Thursday, 20th of February, we wish happy birthday to Orient Outlook's head of IT and O's South Stander, Darren Houghton. So happy birthday to Darren. Absolutely. Many happy returns. And it was a ninth anniversary of that amazing cup tie against Arsenal nine years ago, as we say, which saw a late equaliser from Jonathan to Hue to give Orient a draw against Premier League opposition Arsenal and a replay at the Emirates Stadium. Yeah, that, I mean, my favourite moment of that is when you see the picture of the camera shot of Slade running and his hat's going like everywhere and he's just running and giving it a full pelt. But amazing, and it's 10 years next year, so I wonder if the club will do something for the Big Ten. Maybe a dinner or maybe, maybe. something like that. We will if see. If you can find John Tahue, he might be in McDonald's late in Stone still, <laughs> I don't know. Apparently he liked it though. And to finish off on Thursday, congratulations to the O's under-13s who won the Norwich City under-13 11 versus 11 tournament as they beat Cambridge United 3-2 in the final. So well done to the young O's. We've obviously spoken about a lot of young footballers mm. and the way we try and engage the young community and good to see the under-13s winning the tournament really which had some yeah. pretty decent te- like Premier, well, Norwich City Premier, Premier League. Premier League yeah. yeah, really well done there to everyone involved in that one. Mooney Friday, the 21st of February, the Leighton Orient women's walking football team entered a tournament held by the Tottenham Hotspur Foundation, facing teams from Chelsea, Arsenal, Fulham, Palace and of course Tottenham themselves. Yeah, and after beating Chelsea and Tottenham but falling to narrow defeats against Arsenal, Fulham and Palace, the O's managed to qualify for the semi-final in which they faced Fulham again. Unfortunately though, they did not win this game and faced Palace in the third, fourth place playoff match. And with a narrow 1-0 victory, scorer, our very own SLO, <laughs> Karen Harrison, and were crowned third place winners. Yeah, so Captain Andre Sainer said, seeing how the women's walking football session has grown in less than a year, it's excellent and it's always great to test ourselves in a tournament. To come third is a fantastic result in only our second tournament as a squad, with lots of debutants who slotted in beautifully. And also to note is that we lent Arsenal four of our O's players and they went on to win the tournament. As always, thanks to Trevor Ridley and Len Sheaston for giving us the opportunity to play and honing our skills. So thank we you there. We lent four players to a team that went on and won the won the thing. How does that not how does that work? No idea. But well done to the women there. Thanks to Karen for that update. And again, walking football, again, getting community involved. And I know the trust have done quite a lot yeah, with the men's yeah. walking football team. We've got 10 years until we can do it. I'm not rushing that 10 years. No, neither am I, mate. But once we do it, mate, we're, we're there. Yeah, Banging no. in the girls for Orient. Yeah, got to try and keep that right till the last bit. You know, when I'm laying in the bed <laughs> or something, I'll think about it. But... No, with the, funny with the walking football. That that's uh, uh, you know when we've done stuff in Denmark, um, they have hadn't heard about that. So when Pelé and a few of the guys came over, they brought some some of the older guys from the uh, from the football club over, and, and we took them over to the uh, I farm, I think it was, yeah, and they they joined in, absolutely loved it. So it's something that I'm talking to to the guys at Water who's organising all the walking football. We might be get a chance for them to go over and sort of showcase it. 
in Denmark. Amazing. So that'd be good, yeah. Lovely. Really good. International week, yeah. yeah. So we're going to move on then to Saturday the 22nd uh, of February now, the main event being Oldham Athletic at home. And as always on a Thursday before the match, uh, we run a poll, a Twitter poll, to find out how you think we're going to get on. And only after 186 votes in 24 hours, 8% thought we'd lose. 23% thought we'd draw, but a whopping 69%, me being one of them, thought we'd win. So thank you to everyone who took the time to vote for that one. Yeah, so the team was announced at 2pm and basically was named as follows. So Vigaru in goal, back four of Marsh, Coulson, Happy and Brophy in midfield, Clacey, say right, and up top, JMD Johnson and Wilkinson. On the bench, we had Sam Sargent, Joe Woodhouse, Jaden Sweeney, Hector Kiprianu, James Dayton, Lee Angle, and Ralph Satoriu. That means that Ross made two changes to the last starting lineup, which faced Cheltenham. Josh Wright and Jordan Maguire Drew returned, having been rested, according to Ross at Meet the Manager evening, uh, which, as we said earlier, is on uh, all the podcast platforms that you use. And Royal Satoriu is back on the bench. He took his seat, having recovered from his injury. And I found it interesting that Ross rested Jordan uh, and Josh uh, to keep them fresh. I think you know he obviously now feels that they're fresher. Hope to see them do well. This was written at the time. Uh, otherwise, for me, as expected, I feel that if we win and other results go our way, it's a nice little bounce up the table that we could do with. Yeah, I thought, I was saying to you on the Saturday morning, I thought he was going to change it up, coming off the back of a, a defeat. I thought he was going to bring bring those two back in, especially after what he said on Wednesday when he kind of spoke really highly of Josh. Um, but I've noticed that Ross, when you win, he keeps the same team. And when you don't lose, when you don't win, he makes one or two changes here and there. Um so no surprises there for me, I would say. A lot of tweets came in when the team was announced, as always. Matty LOFC Evans tweeted, said, a strong lineup. Be good for Johnson to score to get him off the mark. Oldham are there for the taking. Yeah, Stephen Orient said, I wonder if we'll find a way to get past a stop at past and stop Cole Piagiani in the air, or will we just hoof it towards him and leave him free in the box? Hopefully, we have learnt from before. Yes, find out if we did. Billy that. Herring, 0-3. says, just don't get the obsession with 4-3-3. Johnson is completely wasted in this formation, but of course, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, George Nicholas underscore one said, not the lineup or the formation I was hoping for again, but there's enough out there to get the win. Tired of the poor formation choice and the players out of position, but if we can win, then that's the main objective. Just feel better tactics from the start could make a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. So the match kicked off in a very windy E10. We was looking to go six home matches in the Football League without a defeat for the first time since October 2013. With Oldham looking for a win to leapfrog us in League 2. Both teams started to settle into this game. And in the ninth minute, Danny Johnson shot well well wide following a throw in and some good build up play. yeah I've not seen that one back but I think there's a few tweets saying he might be able to do better there but as I say that wasn't in the highlights reel that I've seen and more good build up play two minutes later I saw James Brophy cross put out for a corner and from that corner he took the lead as JMD swung the ball in and King Usise got his head in at the back post that took a deflection of an older body and flew into the net won the Warrior. so for me perfect start I think Cissé like we've mentioned on the pod before has made a massive difference since yeah. he's come in so calm isn't it? he's just he just does the ugly stuff and make it look effortless yeah. and he's got two goals now in an orange well mm. I don't think he'll get given that goal I think that probably gets taken away from no, him no that's but... a no goal I've seen the highlight of that that, that, that hits there yeah. and, to, and then goes in but a great start yeah I, I don't care like we said before it can come off a shin guard it can come off someone's shoelace yeah can come off someone's backside or their calf or their ankle or their head or 
a another part of the body that's legal. It doesn't matter for us at the moment. It's about scoring goals. It's not necessarily about scoring pretty goals either. You know, we're not we're not in that position to yeah. to be worrying about that. We just need goals, and however they go in, uh, they go in. So yeah, great start for us. But that's all it was, uh, unfortunately, because a minute later, Oldham equalised uh, from a preventable corner given away uh, by Usise. Actually, he sort of miscleared it, didn't he, uh, for that one? Um, and it went out for a corner instead of what it should have done was put it out for a throw-in. Uh, the, uh, the corner came in uh, from the left. Carl Piergiani got ahead of Josh Coulson and shot towards goal. His shot towards goal was turned in by Zach Dernley who was ahead of George Marsh on the line, and it was one all, And that's a real crazy 90 seconds. So I'm still writing up about our goal and still you know, putting yeah. thoughts in about that because I do it as we go along now yeah. rather than looking back retrospectively. And here we are talking about, yet again, a carbon copy of a scenario that happened in the game before. George Marsh is completely at fault for that goal, in my opinion, because it was his man that he let go. Ross and the analysts may see it differently, but I haven't seen it back yet. But from what I remember, he's lost his man. And Piagiani, how he's allowed to do what he likes in our box, staggers me. Okay, for me, I think Cissé has to do better to prevent the corner because oh, he should boot it out. 100%. I think Coulson then has to do better with Piagiani because mm-hmm. we saw him do it twice last season against us with Salford. i got to say, I don't normally like highlighting opposition players, but every he's time I've seen really that Piagiani... He's a bit of a dirty, horrible mm. player. One that you'd love in your team but hate to play against. He's um, so good at what he does, though. But he looked like he had to be in the Coulson straight away. And then Marsh has really got to do better as the guy who's marking the goal scorer. So poor defending all round. But then we saw that last week. Went one up against Cheltenham and I think the league lasted for 24 seconds. And I guess if you're Ross and the coaching staff, inside you're doing your nuts because you're like, just hold on to the lead. Just yeah. don't do anything stupid. And we've kind of thrown that one away. 100%. One hundred percent. Just two minutes later, then Oldham took the lead in a carbon copy of the first goal. As another corner this time swung in from the right hand side, David Wheater got a flick on, and again Zach Dean Lee was ahead of George Marsh again. Tap home for his second of the game, and it was two on to Oldham. All in the space of five minutes, where we've gone a goal, <laughs> and you're sitting there, and I think the first goal you're like, oh come on now, but the second goal was even more in the south anyway because you've basically seen it happen two minutes earlier and a very similar goal has happened again and you're sitting there you're like it's the same guy it's pretty much the same goal yeah how did you see it from the from the west end where you sit yeah I, I don't want to delve too much into it to be honest it's not my job to do that but I, I, yeah obviously disappointed you just feel that you know great start to the game I don't think we've been lucky in front of the Ghana that sounds like a really stupid and poor excuse but you know just I notice little things like you know the bounce of the ball in the area mm. and stuff like that that hasn't happened for us this year we haven't been good enough in front of goal uh, we all know that you know but um, yeah I think when it's from a set play and and people whether or not they do what they're supposed to do or whatever you know, then it's very very disappointing obviously mm. the time as well you know and you, 10 minutes go past you still got it it happens but when it happens as quick as that it's just Knocks the stuff in mm. hand, yeah. yeah Including the players, you know, and I think that sort of looked a little bit flat after that. Yeah. But I thought we played quite well overall over the game and thought we was much better in possession than, than the uh, opposition and that. But, you know, can't afford to can't afford set to plays and stuff yeah, like that. Absolutely. But, but as I say, that's just a matter of opinion, really. I've yeah. got to say, I've seen the crowd swing before on the back of 
conceding two quick goals. I actually mm. thought the crowd that actually stuck <coughs> with the team yesterday really well. I've seen yeah, I've yeah. seen that crowd turn yeah. very quickly. Definitely, yeah. and we didn't turn. Like I didn't hear any. I think there's obviously people probably shouting around the ground. Probably sort it out. No, no, but totally, I, I, I didn't think. I think yeah, the crowd no, so, stuck with the team. Where it would have been totally, easy to to go the other way. With I totally it. agree with you. I mean, you know, where I sit, just behind a dugout, you know, you hear a lot of comments and that. But no, I didn't. Obviously, people disappointed that, but not really, mm. really negative. Yeah. So, like as you said, so yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. Okay. Moving forwards, then. So, yeah. So yeah. I thought it was really poor from us. We can't defend a corner and, and Marsh's man again scored. So yeah, it's just issues that we need to to uh, to to deal with there really because we can't keep going on like that. We're we're never gonna. All right. We you know we're not gonna get relegated this season. But by the same token, you want to be doing better. You want to be improving. Particularly, as there's some players out there that are going to be out of contract in the summer and want to look to impress. Mm. Well, I think George Marsh will be disappointed for the goals. I think Coulson's probably going to be gutted, especially with the first one. It's the first time we've really commented about George being poor, George Marsh, because overall he's being played at right back and he's a centre midfielder, and he's done very well at times. He's, he so. recovered, so I don't want to be too harsh yeah, and course. critical. No. But unfortunately, if you make two mistakes in your own box. At this level, you're more likely to be punished than when we were in the national we've league last that. year. We've yeah, that. yeah, we've uh, seen it, and that's the problem times. we've had. Yeah, and that's the problem we've had. Not being clinical enough in our box to defend, and not being clinical, as you've just said, in the mm. oppo box to take advantage. Mm. And then you get hit, and you get hit in the 88th yeah. minute, and end up losing the game. Yeah, that's and a like you said, that's a good point. You know, this, this, I think people don't realise that jump. You know, from national mm. league to league two, the you know. Near enough, every team you see, you think you see three or four of them players that think you know they're quality, yeah. they've got a bit of class about them, mm. um, and you do get punished, you do get punished, yeah, a lot, lot, lot more than you would do last season. Yeah. Special note to their man Silla as well, that 24, you liked it, didn't you? yeah, he you liked was Silla. really effective. He was like an ooze, Cissé, of but of Oldham, he was just stopping things and bringing play mm. forwards and helping keep them up the pitch. Really good player, but let's not digress. There was a break in play around the half-hour mark as XO Gary Woods received treatment, and just prior to that, Dan Happy was booked for a foul on Dernley. So Gary Woods was with us. He was the number two to uh, Adam Legston. Yeah, uh, in a bit of a while 2014 ago. 2014 to 2015. 20, yeah. 15, yeah. Yeah, so an Adam counter-attack in the 43rd minute. Here he so is. Silla hit it wide. And then four minutes of additional time were added on. And then the second minute of additional time, Rowe, Danny Rowe, who obviously formerly AFC filed, went close for Oldham with a snapshot from distance, went just over the bar. So half-time whistle went with the O's training 2-1. don't think that was a great half of football, to be honest with you. I don't. I think, you know, the back end, the, the second half at Cheltenham, stitched with the first half of, of yesterday, you know, or it was two different halves of football, but still not... For me, where we need to be, I don't think we showed enough passion or desire or determination to be better than them, being first of the loose balls and the 50-50s. I didn't really see us being first to these. I didn't see us having that wanton desire to, to do that enough in that half for me. Um, I, thought, I thought, up until we scored the goal, I thought we, I was quite impressed. I thought we looked, looked pretty good. Pretty I, thought, I thought we settled, but I thought once they went 2-1 up, Holden kind of... Yeah, looked a lot more confident. Mm. Yeah, um, I just finished off by saying, um, yeah, just doing the basics, and Oldham sort of did that a little bit more, and probably that's after they took the lead there, 
towers were up and ours were down, yeah, so that's course. why yeah. perhaps it, yeah. it gave them that momentum. Lots of tweets at half time, tweets, as yeah. always. One Adam Conway tweeted us, so any chance of finally putting an end to the play your most dangerous player in defence experiment now, chaps? Hashtag not allowed, hashtag opinion now, obviously referring to James Brophy at left back. Yeah, at W Smith 125 said, not the worst performance, shocking refereeing in the first goal and shocking defending in the second have let us down. Clay and Cissé stand out players so far. Gary Talbot 7 tweeted us and said, the formation issue is driving me nuts and Coulson has gone from legend to liability. Steve Hinchcliffe 6 said, I have said from day one, without Big Marv, this side, this Orient side has no balance or stability. The back four is very weak. Happy always makes loads of mistakes and Big Marv normally mops, uh, mops up for him. He wins so many headers. We need him back ASAP. Yeah, so attendance was announced at 5,334 with 522 away fans making the journey. Decent, Decent turnout, I thought that. Yeah. Oldham aren't doing so well. Obviously, they've got a few problems with that club. To be over 500, I thought was, was, was a decent turnout for, that, for them. Yep, so moving into the second half, we've got the second half underway. No changes at half-time, so good closing down play by Danny Johnson forced David Wheat to, to concede a corner, which unfortunately came to nothing. 54th minute, then the O's made it 2 all. as James Brophy recovered from a first poor touch to win a free kick on the left, and Josh Wright whipped the ball in. Usisa headed the ball back in across goal at the far post. Coulson got a touch that looked to be going in, and the fox in the box, Danny Johnson, tapped the ball in at the far post to make it 2 all. So... That was a big goal, I thought. I think Danny Johnson's needed yeah. that goal. Hopefully now, the first of many, it gives him the confidence to go and push on. Poacher's goal, that. Yeah, absolutely. As it as he should be. Num- like, he's a number nine, he is. isn't he? That's what, yeah. what he should be doing. Poacher's goal. Good. I recorded that. <laughs> that is on our social media platforms. If you wish to go and have a look, it's Twitter, at Orin Outlook. Facebook, just search for Orin Outlook Podcast. And it is on Instagram. It's probably come off our story now, but it's on Instagram. Or in underscore outlook underscore podcast. So just a minute later, then in the 55th minute, an Orient substitution uh, saw Connor Wilkinson replaced by Royal Satoriu and Ross. I don't know that we're going to cover it in his post match. He said that Connor had taken some sort of a knock, which is why he decided to take him off. Oh, fine. In, when in the second goal, when the guys got celebrating, Wilkinson's kind of hobbling. Like, walk, like walking around so obviously mm. it must, might have well, I saw Josh Coulson taking the burner ribs as well in the first half as well so that's probably why he was struggling a little bit fine you made a note that you thought Satori got into the game quite quickly he did he, he kind of come in and hit the ground running usually you see a substitute come in they need to get sort of attuned to the pace of the game but Ruel just came in and he was on the right hand side of our attack and um, showed some great composure he was mm. closed in on that byline he was closed in hemmed in by two of their players as if they weren't there he goes straight past yep. them dashes to the to the byline and and then sort of put, puts the ball in. Unfortunately, it came to nothing. But just to, you know, as a sent sign of I'm here guys now, like come on, let's go. And also as a warning shot across the olden bows, I thought that was a, a very good piece yeah. of play by him. Very confident young man. Yeah, he plays without fear, I think that's the I thing. think that's it. You know, and and he comes in and just takes the ball by the horn. So I thought he don't yeah, I, I agree with you. I thought he came on and made an impact straight away. I, think I don't know about the compliment uh Compliment the comment from the guy in the earlier Twitter about Dan Happy making a lot of mistakes. I'm, I, I don't you don't see that. I don't see that at all. I think he's a really, really good young player that will play at a really high level. Mm. Like, in my opinion, mm. of course, do you yeah, think? Do you think we'll go on to a higher level? I, I think, think so. we get lots of rumours in, obviously, to the I pod so. quite a lot. I think he's probably the, the next one you look at and go. He's probably going to be 
go into a higher level mm. sooner rather than later. Mm. Probably, probably championship as it stands for me. I think yeah. going to a Premier League side and playing in an under twenty three would be a waste of his time. Yeah, of course. I yeah. think if he can go and get some first team football at a championship club, maybe a top league one club, mm. something like that, someone that can help be the next step in his career, I think he'd do very well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 59th minute, Usise fired wide from 25 yards and a big chance around the hour mark from another corner. This time is Dan Happy headed over the bar from close range. So good opportunity there. At this point, we're on top. JMD and Brophy linking up well. JMD, I thought, putting some nice crosses into the box, but mm-hmm. nobody was there at the end of them. And amazingly, not any real chances to talk about for the remaining 30 minutes as the O's were looking for a winner but couldn't find a way through with Oldham not really pressing us I thought we looked more likely to win but I thought Oldham, I Oldham so, yeah. kind of sat back but we couldn't really that final ball that piece yeah, of quality was missing you know, in one of those games when you're getting sort of 11 but getting 11 players uh, you know behind the ball it's mm. really hard to hard to break down yeah um, you know I looked at when they you know in the latter stages of the game when they got corner all 11 of their players were in the 18 yard box yeah all 11 you know. It's hard to find holes and pick, well, yeah, pick pockets yeah, when they is, do that. It is. Yeah, but, uh, to be fair, Oldham, whenever I've seen them on TV, seems to not defend that well. But mm. yesterday, I thought they actually defended quite well as a unit and kept their shape they fairly kept their shape well. Yeah, and that's why people complain about us going sideways and backwards and forwards and sideways. But it's better to do that and keep the ball than try and just pump the ball in and that Pier Gianni or Weasel then just head it to their man and turn the possession over. If we've got the ball, they can't They can't have the ball. Well, so yeah, therefore, you, it's better yeah. that we hold it than them. And you're looking for openings, you know, you're looking to create a little bit of space to work into, mm. you know, and that's why, you know, I thought a lot of balls into feet were really good. Um, and the little flicks around the corners and that we sort of link up play, I thought was really good. Um, and that doesn't just happen, that's worked, you know, yeah, they work really hard to do that. Um, they obviously, you know, do it on the training ground and then it's making those right choices on the pitch that you know make it work or not but yeah yeah fine fine lines yeah absolutely five minutes of stoppage time were played and in the 91st minute Olden swung in a corner and Danny Rowe headed towards goal from a very tight angle but Lawrence Vigaru made an outstanding I think probably reflex save to keep the scores level and that was we thought Great save. Thank God for that. Great save. We've seen him do that a few times. One from Mansfield uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, <coughs> one there. Great goalkeeper. Yeah. Really agile. Really good. And if that goes in, I think we're talking with a different outlook. Oh. On the meltdown on social media would have been absolutely unbearable. Yeah, it would have been. Have we have lost that? Um, the rest of the game was played out. And after the O's had a late corner, which came to nothing, the full-time whistle went... As both teams gained a point, which saw four goals all from a, from set all yeah. from set pieces, all from set pieces, my friend. So, so we do have Ross's post match, but it's ten, nearly ten minutes long, and we're quite conscious of the time already. So we're going to uh, read a couple of points yeah. from that interview. So Ross said the message to the lads that there is that has happened too many times this season. The first half has been a huff type of performance, and then we've come out all singing, all dancing, and put it right, whether it be with a win. Or with a draw. I'm not willing to accept that now. He said, we've taken the lead in the last two weeks, deservedly so. And then our mindset changes. I feel there needs to be a little bit more of a stronger mindset, obviously to not let an opposition back in, but we need to manage the game better. There have been too many times this year when we've conceded at poor times in the game, whether that be late in the 90th minute or just before or after half-time. The big moments in the games are where we have to manage better. Fair play to Ross. I won't disagree with that. I think he's probably hit... 
Hit the now. We do have to hit the now on the head. And that right. interview, like you've said, you can watch that on the club's YouTube channel. Yeah. That is up in its full ten minutes. Absolutely. So the league table. Then that draw sees us. Unfortunately, we dropped the place. We've gone from seventeenth to eighteenth now because Scunthorpe beat Forest Green Rovers yesterday to leapfrog us. So we've now played thirty-five games. We've won nine, drawn twelve, lost fourteen. Goal difference of minus nine, and we now have thirty. Nine points on the board. I, think, I mean, there's no chance of us being relegated now. I think we're 17 points clear of Steve Lee, so I, I, I don't think that is Russell Slade now, Steve Lee, helping Alex Revel with yeah. his first team duties. Yeah, a yeah, bit of a surprise, pleasant surprise. I hope, you know, I hope they do well. I think they're gone. I think you look at Steve Lee, they're probably fun. gone. But saying that, we thought Newport were gone when we ended up going down, they looked dead and buried and that they called yeah, out the resurgence, didn't they? That's 33. So your views on yesterday then, Mr Levy? Yeah, a game we really need and probably should be winning. I think on paper, Oldham have got actually quite a good squad. <laughs> They're on not paper. bad, yeah. You know, they've got Danny Rowe up front, who's yet to prove himself, but Carl Pijani, uh, experience, David Weeter, experience, Silla turned out to be a surprise, surprise, and uh, they had one or two others that <laughs> looked quite com- yeah, who looked quite comfortable on the ball as well. Quite tricky players, so maybe their uh, league position is also slightly false, but they've maybe not had to deal with what we've had to deal with throughout this season. I thought it was <clears throat> a bit of an indifferent first half. We can't start off games uh, and then having to then you know take the lead and then having to battle to get something from the game. Um, least of all at home, I personally would have kept faith with James Dayton over Jordan Maguire. Drews, I don't think. JMD does enough for me to give him a spot in the starting lineup. I think he's better off as an impact substitute. And I thought he was uh, pretty poor in the first half, although, as we discussed before we started recording, the fact that he does put some really good crosses mm. in. And he did put some really good yeah. crosses in yesterday, but yeah. unfortunately, we didn't have the personnel in place to, to capitalise on, on those crosses, unfortunately. I think Ross sitting now on the head, like when he mentions the quote about coming out in the second half, all singing, all dancing. In the second half, obviously, that's right in front of us. You see Brophy and JMD linking up really well, and JMD putting in some peaches. Yeah. Didn't really see much of that in the first half. And I'm saying that to you, it was like it always yeah. seems in the second half. Because they talk to Harry in the second half, they're they're literally running at their fullbacks the whole game, like the whole half. You're going, wow! Like I don't remember this happening in the first half. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Craig Clay, rightly man of the match. Well done, Vince, uh, for choosing (laughs) Craig Clay. Very desire, very industrious. Sorry, and worked hard, which is more than could be said for one or two. Ruel was fantastic, exciting. Uh, and exciting uh, in his substitute appearance. I think he's the player that we've been missing and perhaps him and Johnson could be a f- decent front line. I'm pleased that Danny was able to open his account. He dedicated that goal to his late grandfather as well. Oh, nice. yeah. yeah, Good spot. Good spot. Your, your yeah, for me, I think as the home, home team, when you take a lead early on against opposition who are low on the table, you probably go and expect to add a few more. But in, like we said, it was a crazy 10 minutes and then we're 2-1 down to two, two very similar goals. I think every time... So Pierre Piergiani came forward. I think he had the beat in the course and all day long, which worried me because you could see you could see him moving. But mm. second half better. Delighted for Danny Johnson. But like I said, Fox in the box, and it was the first time I've really seen him chase something down in the box or had that little element of luck that you've been talking about. Mm. Whereas in other games, the ball's somewhere behind him or yeah. it's flashing past him. But hopefully, that's the first of many. Um, after the guy I thought would go on to go for the kill, but like we said, Oldham kept their shape really well. Um, and it was anyone's game in the last 10 minutes. I think Oldham kind of stepped up in the last 5-10 looking for the win. And like we said, Vigory makes a great save. I thought Clay was excellent. I thought Happy is quality, but he did make a few yesterday, a few little mistouches here and there. And he'd done the same against Cheltenham. I thought Marshall was a bit nervous, but obviously having someone against Dernley, I think it was, who scored two goals against him. And he's not a right back, you can kind of say 
Fair enough. I thought Bradfield was decent again yesterday. Cissé solid and all lively when he came on. And I think, like we mentioned, I think Ross will change it again next week. I don't think you'll see the same eleven. I think you might you might see Dayton back next week, or you might see maybe Raw come back in. I think he'll change it because we didn't win again. I think you might see one or two changes. Hmm. But who knows? I guess we'll wait until Saturday. Yeah. Two p.m. See see what see what goes with. Yep. So those were our views, and we got a huge amount of feedback after this match, as you can probably imagine. So thanks to everybody who sent their views, positive, negative, or indifferent. That came. Uh, those all came into our social media accounts, and we'll try and read out as many as we can. But just because we agree, uh, we read with. Just because we read them, it's it very important mean, you get this part. We right, agree yeah. with them, yeah, absolutely, and it's written <laughs> down in front of me as well. Yeah, so um, just because we read them doesn't mean we agree with them. We yeah. do it for balance because we're lucky enough to get loads and loads of tweets in yeah. after the game. And like, if there's only you agree with or don't disagree with, feel free to put your two pence in. We do that all the time. Okay. Don't feel like you've got to sit here and not say anything. Or you're welcome to if that's if that's what you want to do. So Richard J. Bourne is first up this week. He said, "You're most vulnerable when you just score." Very true for the O's. We should have learned from last week, but still, it's an earned point. Yep, Joe Jessner, 16, said, We looked like we could have gone on to win after we equalised and Satoru came on. Unfortunately, our attacking threat stagnated as Ross confusingly left on JMD and Johnson, who both looked exhausted against a huge front line. I mean, I understand leaving Johnson on. He's just scored his first goal for the club. He's obviously beaming, full of confidence. I, I understand leaving Johnson on. JMD, I thought, put in some good crosses, but yeah. no one was at the end of them. There you go. Mid-table obscure said the formation does, doesn't let us attack. Oldham were there for the taking, as has been the case many times this season. Ross has made us hard to beat, but it's not fun to watch, is it? But then it's not necessarily at this stage about being fun to watch. It's about being. It's about winning football games, however that happens. I feel like Justin done the same. I think the first thing Justin done when he came in was go right. You leak far you too many goals. So hey, you we sort you out as a defensive unit, and then we look to. Start yeah. winning games there. Like they, they don't go out with the intention of not trying to score goals. You know, Ross and all the boys, you know, we're talking about the players here, but have got it in their mindset that they want to win games. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't, mm-hmm. people get the idea that they go to set up not to, obviously, that's important that we set up not to lose, but not. That's not, not the main not to, no, no, theme no, of the game, you is want, it? Yeah. You want to win the game of football, you know, we're not going there to, to not lose or, you know, get a draw out of it. They want to win the game. So I think a lot of teams, again, I said, you know, about Saturday, and you expect it when they come down the O's, they put 11 players behind the ball mm. a lot of the time, you know, um, which is hard to break down. Yeah, they were. They really were. Charlie C87 said, the wind clearly played a massive part. All four goals were messy set pieces. We could and should have won it in the second half, but it was never going to be a day for quality between two teams near the bottom. Dan Alton, 2590, said, let's be honest, it's another dreadful performance. One shot on target, and that was an unmarked tap-in from the goal line. Horrendous defensively from set pieces. Another point, yes but we never looked like we really wanted to win the game. All in all, not good enough. Greedy QB9 says, Angle for Johnson, Dayton for JMD, two all, we would have won that game. Had them on the back foot, never mad at a point when we're losing at half-time though, and beaten at home in six. So yeah, I'm beaten at home in six, so best home record since October 2013 now, in terms of longest unbeaten run. So, that's a massive positive. Absolutely. David, Matt, which we'll come on to later yeah. on in the show. David <laughs> Matt Lloyd said, both teams... In the strange position, I'm not really having much to play for, and the weather meant the game was a bit all over the shop. Felt the draw was fair, as neither side really looked beyond average. Johnson needed that goal, but he needs a strike partner to be effective. 
Tyler Osborne, a 0 4. So that's a new Twitter handle to me. I don't mm-hmm. recognise that one. So hello, Tyler. This is a weak game. I thought Johnson was too weak. I think if we had an experienced manager, we would have seen Angle and Satoru on early in the second half. A great performance from Clay. And as a team, we showed many positives. Now it's time to make these good spells last a whole game. Kevlar P18 said the second best at 99% of things. As I've said over the last couple of weeks, it's the defence for me that's the issue. I don't worry when we attack. I close my eyes when we're defending. We'll be okay though. I would say nine more points to be safe. Nine more points to be safe. Like, I think we're safe already, but obviously. Well, it's that magic mark, yeah. isn't it? Really getting to the mid to late 40s where yeah. teams don't really go. Just yeah. the mathematics of it all, isn't it? Because mathematically we could still so, yeah, be. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Or in ball back. So talk about the same issue week in, week out. Scoreboard defending for their two goals. Kent Teague thinks it's two to five players that we are needed. If he's genuine about getting promoted, it's more like a minimum of six. It's the same three to four players that turn up for the games every week. Um, Ogle Chimenti. Oh, well Chim- Chimenti, I think is how that might be pronounced. Said, I really wish Widdowson was given a chance to get the left-back spot back in a game where Brophy could be useful further up the pitch at 2-2... Uh, Further up the pitch at 2-2. Making only one change doesn't feel like we went for the win. Very frustrating. Who's fan basing? Says awful defending. Brophy has our best defender. Last time Marsh at right back perhaps. Happy and Coulson were very shaky. Thought we played okay though and deserved the point. They're trying to play good football but the pitch and the wind didn't help. Craig Clay, excellent. Les LK52 said, After a dire first half, Ross showed his inexperience by not making changes at half time. What did he see that made him think that we can start the second half with the same eleven? Ruel and Dayton should have come on at half-time, even though he scored a tap-in. Johnson looks conference class to me. Not a bit harsh? <clears throat> on Johnson, yes. And actually, on the tube home, I was having a conversation with a guy who also was commenting about Danny Johnson not being very good. And, and the comment that I came back to him was, well, Danny Johnson is a fox in the fox box. Fox in the box. And we're not playing him as that fox in the box. So what he is doing is a job that he's actually not yeah, I agree. best played at if that's even grammatically yeah. correct. So from that perspective, I don't think Johnson looks conference class because he worked really hard. Um, I personally agree that I think Royal and James Dayton might have had a greater impact had they have come on, or James Dayton coming on, period. But but Royal, yeah, I thought Royal came on and did well and I thought James Dayton would have come on and done very well as well. Would have been a different game, obviously, but yeah, I like the... Uh, I'm a fan of James Dayton, to be honest with you. I think he's a bit more direct and a bit more ready to run at players than, than I see from Jordan. But um, but Johnson looking conference class to me, don't agree with that. Uh, Leighton Orient said, win made defending hard, but no excuse for conceding another two goals from corners. Would have been free, but for Vigorous fine save, should have made our second half domination pay, but killer instinct is still lacking. At least Johnson is off the mark with his tapping. John W999 said, I don't understand the anti-Brophy at left-back view. For me, he's been a far more consistent influence on games whilst attacking from left-back then went out on the wing. Link up with JMD is very effective. Yeah, Paul Skinner, 88, says, I know at least one of us goes on about it every week, but why Widowson isn't back with Brophy further up is just straight up confusing. Centre-back positions are just dire at the moment. Right is frustrating to watch, and I don't see why Dayton was dropped after some good performances. It's all about opinions, really, isn't it? Course, one before yeah. is saying Brophy great at left-back, one straight after, which is how they're taking in time order, saying Widowson should be left-back, Brophy further forward. This is why we mention all of them because there's so many different views coming mm. in and different analysts going on. It's interesting balance of viewpoints. Different armchair football yeah. fans. I am underscore MO says if we were playing two midfielders at fullback and winning, fair enough, but we're not. Dreadful game. 11 more to go and then we can clear the decks and start again. 
this season was always going to be a tough one after the traumatic summer. Yeah, absolutely. Chris W underscore one says, Ross is new in the full-time manager business. There might be mistakes here and there, but 17 points clear of relegation on his first job. What is there to complain about? Yeah, John J Miller 23 said, Ross talks a lot about watching videos of the game. I hope he's taking notes to work on formation at the top end of the pitch. Isolated striker, we don't get men in the box, little width and a lack of movement for the man on the ball. No. I did notice that actually, there is, there doesn't seem to be particularly good options for the man with the ball at times. I, think I don't see a lot of forward running. Yeah, maybe on the training pitch that'll be worked on. I guess Neil Sanson says four defensively poor goals with little quality in between. Clay worked tirelessly while Cissé and Brophy are the only two who actively seek the ball. The rest seem to be hiding. Good to see Royal back. Him and Brophy, either side of Johnson, would terrorise defences. So maybe you'd see Brophy as a left forward. Johnson in the middle, Royal on the right is what Neil Sanson is saying. As a, of a three? Of a three, yeah. front three. Interesting. Interesting. Jay Interesting. says, I really like Ross, but why does he spend a lot of time berating the fourth official? Show me a stat where berating the fourth official changes the result of the match. Ross should concentrate his efforts and energy on the team and what they are doing or not doing. Downboy underscore Clark says another performance that lacks quality. I think it's unfair to keep having a go at the strikers when the service into them is poor. The players in our squad best suit a 4-4-2. Willow Gaffer said, well, slept on it and tried to be constructive. Two poor teams and a poor match. Clay and Cissé stood out a mile, the rest were average. Johnson is not a lone target man, and Ross has said Wright does a lot of the stuff supporters don't see well. Sorry, Ross, he doesn't do it. He's on the periphery of the game throughout. SR Barber, 1986, as I actually thought we played well, but we were the only team trying to play football again in difficult conditions. Only two sloppy defensive areas from count corners, and a good save in the second half is all Oldham had. Clay, 10 out of 10. Mm, big, big props to Craig Clay there. And the final word this week goes to Stuart. 1973, the acrobatic Stuart. Well played, said, Stuart, yeah. We are not quite there this season, and credit where credit is due. We are holding our own, whether people like it or not. Let's be judged next season. Games like today are on repeat, but it is what it is. So let us know if you agree or disagree with any of the tweets that have been read out this evening. You can let us know what you think by tweeting us at Orient Outlook or by emailing us at orientoutlook at outlook.com. Yeah, moving on then. That wraps up this week. Did you have anything to add? Do anything that's been said? No. no? Okay, no. let's move on then to the Prediction League. Well done to Liam NUFC1998, Photo Art GB, it's a new one for me. Yeah. At D underscore Profundis, another new one. Uh, props to you guys, you all get three points because you correctly predicted 2 2. But extra special uh, kudos to O's Fan Basing who predicted 2 2 and one of the scorers, so you get. Four points, that means the top of the Prediction League now stands with 25 points. Top of the pile is Steve Chaplin, four. On 22 points is East London Exile. And on 21 points jointly is Floodgates and Pills at the Dome. And thanks to everybody for your predictions. So moving on into today, Sunday the 23rd of February. And we say happy birthday to O's fan Lee Boyce. I don't know if you saw Lee Boyce and I have him. He's the guy who had a massive tattoo done on his leg. In the week, oh, you seeing this? No, I haven't. No. I'll show you. I'll show yeah. you. He's got all the squad. He's got the whole squad oh, got from, from last season. season on his on his quad. However, though, he left out Jamie Turley, who noticed it and called him out on it on social Did media. Yeah. He left out Turley, and he might have spelt Marvin Potato incorrectly. <laughs> yeah, they forgot the 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 on the third on the second tee of Epiteta on the last one. They forgot Ek to Patella. put the bar. 
yeah, on on the on the bar on it, so it reads Ekpatella instead of Ekpatetta. So he, <laughs> thankfully, he had a second sitting, and they yeah, did yeah, that, yeah, Mr. Comar. Yeah, fair yeah. play, Lee. Happy birthday, mate. The ladies were in Capital Cup action uh, today. Uh, sadly, they exited the competition losing one 0 to Dulwich Hamlet, who scored the only goal of the game in the 19th minute. So unlucky to the ladies. A time to wrap up this podcast is a one hour. 34, almost a free hour. Almost a two hour. I'm not doing too badly, Steve. Let's wrap this up in fantasy football update. So Andy Chalk is top of the Orient Outlook Podcast Fantasy Football League on 1,617 points. 10 points ahead of Pat Morgan in second place. I'm in 142nd place out of 284 players, so not doing too well. So that leads me to the Dream Team update. Ben Boatman is now top of the Orient Outlook Podcast Dream Team League yeah. on 1,500 and 55 points. He's now ahead of R. Hawks, who's in second place on 1,537 points. Steve, you dropped a bit? Yeah, but I've got, I've got like six Liverpool players waiting to right, spank okay. West Ham tomorrow, hopefully. So, they're obviously games tomorrow, yeah. so those points will change. So, next week we'll see what happens there. So, we move on now to the positives and negatives. Yes, yeah, so I'll do positives in. So, uh, first positive is Danny Johnson opening his account, like I said, long time coming. Hopefully, it leads to many. Wouldn't surprise me if he gets a double next week now at Forest Green Rovers. Second positive, we mentioned before, is a home record now. Six on the trot unbeaten. Best home record for the O's since October 2013. And in his post-match interview, our last positive, Ross mentioned most of the injured players are now back in training. So the club put out the injury list last week. So a lot of awfully injured players out I think we said like five out of the seven on the list probably walk into the first team in terms of Turley and Bateta Mack enough um, <coughs> so yeah so hopefully you know I don't think Ross has ever had a 100% squad to choose from I think at some point or other pretty much every player or most of them have been injured so be great hopefully if some of those are back in contention like yeah, Mackinac's be been good, a massive miss all season and he drove yeah. And it lift, it will lift the squad as well, naturally, because there's a guy that wants their, that starting eleven spot. So naturally, as a competitive person, you're going to want to yeah. up, up your game a little bit. Even if you're giving 100%, you're yeah. going to want to give 101% because that guy's now coming exactly, to your place. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Um, and it, 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 I would recommend people listen to Ross's interview with Dave Post yesterday's game because he does go into detail and say about he had 18 players on the Wednesday and then 22 or 23 on the Friday so it just shows you that they're now starting to really come it's back good, in good uh, to things yeah so it leads me to do the negatives uh, our defensive uh, frailties uh, for all to see uh, unfortunately for those two goals yesterday yep. uh, and obviously we've dropped uh, a place uh, in the league we've gone uh, from 17th to 18th now so a couple of negatives there I mean, I'm sure we could probably be here all day and be really picky about certain other things but we're not going to do that. We've got a couple of fundamental negatives there. So moving on then to Hero of the Week. <laughs> nice announcement. We've got Heroes of the Week this week. Heroes. We've got two. So yeah. first one up, I guess we'll announce one each, yeah? So I'll do the first one. But off the... Oh, first one, okay, off the pitch activity. So first Hero of the Week is Howard Gould, I'd say, for the stadium tour in the week. Well done, Howard. All the community work and for sending us our Late Night Trust update. So thank you to Howard. Absolutely, there. which leads me to do the on the pitch Hero of the Week. We're going to give this to Danny Johnson for his first goal. Uh, in an orange shirt and dedicating it to his late grandfather so props and kudos to you both yeah so next week's fixtures and just the one fixture coming up for the O's this week as we visit Forest Green Rovers on Saturday 29th of February so despite a strong start to the season Forest Green Rovers have struggled recently they are 10th in League 2 after losing 1-0 to Scunthorpe on Saturday I must say when we played them I thought they were great I thought they looked really dangerous they looked Good in defence, they looked good in midfield, they had a great counter-attack, they put four past us. But since that game, they've really kind of tumbled down. And obviously, it's a club who 
we aren't that friendly with at the moment, obviously, because of what Mark Cooper said to Ross. Ross was asked a question in the last podcast we've done here about how we'll handle the day, and I think he'll handle it with the way he always handles it with dignity and, and pride, and he'll you know he'll he'll manage it really well. But I think it's quite a big game, and I think we can turn them over. I think it'll be an interesting one. So if you're going, have a safe journey, and why not give us a tweet on your journey during or after the match? Yeah, so don't forget, for the best plastering and rendering prices around, visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or at Big Ads LOFC on Twitter for all your plastering and rendering needs. So that is it. Thank you very much indeed for joining us for episode number 210. In a week where the stadium tour and a meet the manager all took place off the pitch, the club continued their excellent fan engagement on the pitch. It was a familiar story as the O's lost a very sorry lost the lead very quickly, and then even quicker found themselves a goal down before Danny Johnson's first goal for the club gained the team a hard-earned point. Yeah, so as we approach the last week in February, and with only the one game coming up, Ross and the coaching team will have more time on the training ground to get their ideas across and prepare for Saturday's match against Forest Green Rovers in a match we'll all be willing the O's to win against a team most likely to include ex-O, Ebu Adams, and a team managed by a most unlikable chap, Mark Cooper. So if you're listening, (laughs) I think we'd all like us to turn over Forest Green Rovers. Absolutely. Uh, So hopefully, fingers crossed, we can do it. Hopefully, fingers crossed. So if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe, give the podcast a review, as Kate did there, and we mentioned uh, earlier in the episode, so thank you to Kate. If you're listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn and Stitcher, add us to your favourites, and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as they're uploaded. We are also on all smart speakers, so listening to the podcast is now even easier. And if you have an older relative, a loved one, or an orange chum, or you think will like the podcast, grab their phone and download it for them and pass the pod as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast yeah, so thanks to our listener Georgia Steve Hamilton thank you thank yep, you thank mate thank you pleasure thank you. it's been that. really enlightening uh, to know what goes on in other parts of the football club so thank you very yeah, much yeah no no I appreciate it wish you every success you know, as I say it's just nice to sit here and uh, say you know uh, make people aware of what goes on yes. you know, apart from what goes on on the training pitch and uh, on a football pitch. Yeah, so obviously lots Thank of uh, activity happening for you. So if anyone wants to get hold of you, Steve, you've got an email address that people can get you on? Yeah, it's this.embleton at lightandorient.net. Fine, okay. So yeah. if you've got any questions for Steve or anything you want to follow up from tonight's podcast, please give Steve an email. Or if you can't remember the email, uh, you're welcome to give us a DM that we will happily pass yeah. on to Steve. I, I'm assuming if someone's going on holiday to... Denmark or New York or whatever and it happens to be around the camp they can book on of course yeah yeah fine yeah. okay fine okay cool. so great work Steve thank you for thank joining you. us he's got his thank podcast mark here this evening that he's now will take pride of praise <laughs> so we'll be back with episode 211 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need we look forward to hearing from you and as always keep calm have a great week and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast up the O's up the O's